0: You're listening to the Eyes on Isles podcast with Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson.
1: Welcome to Eyes on Isles podcast, everybody. I know I said it last week that hockey was back, but this week hockey truly feels like it's back.
2: Matt, how are you feeling, buddy? I am feeling fantastic. I am still riding high off my Nassau Coliseum visit, so uh, that's what I want to talk about most this week. But I'm sure we'll get to that eventually. But we'll start with the pleasantries. How's your week going so far? Are you doing all right? It's going all right. No
1: sickness. The kids are good, so that's always a bonus. Chalk
2: that up as a win.
1: It um, chalk that up as a win. It's like 39 degrees Celsius here in Canada. Can we get the Fahrenheit which, conversion
2: for our American listeners?
1: A lot, like a hundred, I think. I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up. I'll, no, I'll that's like
2: 64, up. I think.
1: It it it's shfety over here. It's very shfety. Um, which usually isn't the case. Like we're starting to usually bring out sweaters. It's starting to be like, well, winter is coming. We're all turning into Ned Stark, and um, but not so much this time. I think it's just because we had such a terrible summer that it's kind of like school. If you miss a week at the beginning, you got to make it up at the end. Okay,
2: but so you'll take it is pretty much what I'm gathering from this. Oh yeah, hard. We'll take it hard.
1: I- I'll sweat in September if that means the snow doesn't stay. Although maybe it works the same way, and then we'll have snow in May. Oh God! I don't know. I'm not a meteorologist. Oh God. Anyways, yeah. You, your week, good. L- let's get to. The, well, yeah. Let's get to your week, and then we'll get transition into NASA because that that's the first thing we're going to talk about today.
2: Yeah. Just you know, usual busy self trying to work and yeah. But mostly, I I fall into this habit far too often at work. I check Twitter and look at what's mm. happening in Isles Land. And obviously, the biggest discussion this week was the return to Nassau Coliseum. And from my experience, Mitch, I, I foreshadowed this last week. Uh, yeah. They roped me back yeah. in. Oh, yeah. I, I saw the, the live tweets, and
1: you were roped in hard, buddy. I, before the puck even dropped, you were all in.
2: Okay. To, to be fair. All right. I know the tweet you're talking about. To be fair, (laughs) John Ledecky was walking up, sitting in the section next to me. All right. You don't have to tweet pro club propaganda if he's behind you. You know that, right? He's not checking your Twitter feed. No, but I just want to feed. No, but uh, maybe other fans who are there are and then be like, oh, you know, Matt's in (laughs) section 203 and he's in section 204 or 205, whatever it was. Maybe we'll be extra loud and then make him feel bad and say, hey, let's bring the team back. I don't know, Mitch. They just put me in this mindset where I I was back in my regular section. Usually I used to sit in 303, but now they're all the 200 section. So I was in the same section that I always sat in. I tailgated before the game. All seemed right in the world, and I wanted that back in my life some more. So don't give me any trouble for for wanting this back on a regular basis. It was such a tease, but I, I bought in so hard. I think everybody did, as you saw on Twitter.
1: I couldn't imagine one person being salty about it, being there in the parking lot during the tailgating. This sucks because it's only temporary. That's the one person you kick out immediately. You get the H out of here. You're ruining the fun for everyone. We all get it. We know it's temporary. But, like, take it for what it's worth. One last hurrah. You finally get, well, maybe not finally, but you get another goodbye. You don't usually get two goodbyes at something. You don't usually get the one. Yeah. So make it a good one or a gooder one.
2: Our writer, um, Kate, actually brought that up in her one of her latest articles saying that Sunday was actually like the perfect goodbye because, you know, like she mentioned, the last time she went to Nassau Coliseum, she didn't actually know it was going to be the last time she ever went. This time, for the most part, you probably that is like looked at as the final goodbye Sunday. and That's right. I'm okay with it. I thought – it went. I thought it went great. Uh, obviously, Tavares scored in overtime. So, like oh, that's just like yeah. t- typical Tavares fashion. He plays the hero. They win. You go crazy. You got the tailgate before. You did the let's go Islanders hunks in the parking lot on the way home. It was a great time.
1: Yeah, I think that's just that's just everything. Every everything everyone wanted was just reliving that that single narrative again and going back and tailgating going back and seeing the old barn, going back and living in the old barn, winning in the old barn, and then Tavares scoring the overtime winner. You know, it, it would have been great to not have to go to overtime, although I guess it's preseason, so who, who cares? Um, but the fact that he scored the winner is all that mattered. And then having that that kind of... Because it was an overtime, it, it had more weight to it. It wasn't like he scored at the beginning of the third period and you just had to ride it out for 20 minutes. You can leave the arena still feeling the high, and so those songs felt even more visceral than, like, the really
2: loud honking from the guy behind you. Right. And the funny thing was, I think I mentioned this in my wrap-up article on Sunday, the last time I was at Nassau Coliseum was game three of the Washington series. So Tavares scored an overtime winner in that game, and then on Sunday he also scored an overtime winner. So in my mind, I was like, whoa, look at the connection. You know, mm, I thought That's was
1: fantastic. So. That's a good connection. And that's, oh, So man, I'm very playoffs. happy
2: with my last. Two times at the Coliseum, like I'll, I could firmly say that I will never forget either one, and I'm okay if that's the goodbye.
1: So, so now you're, you're, you're well off the wagon. You're not let's go Nassau hungry all, all over again.
2: Oh, no, no, I'm still, I'm still hitched on this one, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, I'm realized. I don't know how to explain it. It's like a back and forth inner monologue that's going on in my head. Like, you know, those other cartoons where it's like the devil on the shoulder and then <laughs> and the angel on the other shoulder? That's what's going on in my brain. And like, the devil's like, Matt, they played a game. It could happen. They filled up the arena for a preseason game. And then the angel's yeah. like, no, you idiot. It's not going to happen. Belmont is the logical choice. And. It's just very conflicting. I don't know how to explain it other than saying I feel conflicted. Maybe – I don't think I'm the only one who feels that way, though. I think it's definitely – related. I don't know how to explain it because I don't want to seem, like, rude or anything like that. But since you're not, you're not, like, from Long Island, so I don't think that you get the same vibe that the people who, like, drive 10 minutes to go to the Coliseum would get and hold that, like, no. emotional attachment to the Coliseum. You know what I mean?
1: I don't have the same attachment – uh, I've never seen a game there. I just never had the opportunity to go, um, so I've only ever experienced the game at the Barclays. So already my experience is very diluted. But I get the emotional connection. I understand that it's that it's there. I understand the importance of it. I understand why it means so much. Um, so I don't. I don't think I want to downplay the idea of the preseason game. I like it. I, I, to be honest, I think all it's worth is your mark being able to show like we could do this sustainably going forward and so I don't have to lose my million bucks. Yeah. I really think that that's that's the best case scenario out of this for him. Uh and maybe for Isles fan it's that maybe there's more maybe they can go back again and play regular season games as per the deal he has with the county. Um that's it. I don't think there's any more into this. And we'll see. Like, we'll, we'll see how long that even lasts because who knows how long the Islanders are going to be at Barclays and thus under the auspice of uh, Yarmark's crew.
2: Right. That's the thing because it all leads back to the Barclays Center deal and how much longer are they going to be in that Then than be the RFP going on. And if they are, do get Belmont, I, th- I think we're just going to end up – if we continue this podcast in the uh, – for coming years, we'll still be talking about the Islanders arena situation.
1: I uh, Yeah, I think. Well, yeah, I don't know. Well, I'm, I'm confident that they can get it done in time within like three years, I'm thinking. But that's hopeful, I guess. Like Barclays was constructed in two years, but it took, I think, three or four years to do all the legal paperwork, bu- bureaucratic nonsense beforehand before even a shovel went in the ground. So five years seems doable with a, a, you know, a standard bureaucratic backlog. And that means that you know, Tavares is still, assuming he signs a fully eight-year deal, he's still got three years with the Islanders after that. So that's pretty good. I'd take
2: it. Yeah, I'd sign up for that in a heartbeat.
1: So we'll see. I, 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 again, like the whole NASA thing is great. It plays back into the narrative. The fans clearly loved it because, again, it's sold out. Um, does that continue? I don't know. I don't, I, I doubt it. They couldn't do it before. Why would they be able to do it now? Because in nostalgia, at a certain point, nostalgia wears
2: out. I think it depends on how many times they did it. Like if, let's say, what was the deal? It was like six games four. a year or something like that. Four? If Yeah, four regular season games. If they did four regular season games, I'm pretty confident that all four of them would sell out. Every year. That's fair.
1: I I I feel like there'd be fatigue, and I think this is the perfect time because no one wants to go tailgating, you know, in the middle of January when it's minus, really, really cold. You do well, not I know me very well. Got, yeah, you don't have minus over there. So no, p- minus twenty is pretty good. So minus forty, I think here is minus forty over there, and it gets pretty cold. Like it's it it's minus forty pretty pretty regularly in January here. I couldn't imagine anyone being out there, even if you have the beers flowing, being out there in minus 40 going like, this is amazing.
2: I've targeted there in January and February, and uh, I'll say just dress warm. And if you're of age, then maybe you could drink some other stuff to keep you warm. But Listen, we don't promote I, I've under- been there in,
1: <laughs> in January and February. It is not that cold, so you guys are lucky. God, you're so lucky. I'm going to have to move down to New York. It's done. I'm moving. I'm moving, but I was right. saying that loud so my wife could hear that. But I don't think she'll was like, be too happy. I with paused
2: it. because I was expecting a yell back, but we <laughs> didn't get it. No, you're not. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, but so any any other notes on the whole NASA experience aside from it was good? You're still riding the high, and you still want to live it?
2: Uh, no. I just I think it was like we said. I think it was an overall uh, success. Yeah, I I think so as
1: well. I don't think there's anything to. <laughs> negative to say about it. and I, I, I would I would like to find the one person who's who's salty about the Nassau game. Um, and again, I think the best case scenario for the team is that, maybe not even for the team, but f- the, the best case scenario is that Yomar gets to play four games there and that's not even great for the team. Right. So, yeah. Um, let's move on to other stuff. I think we gave that enough, you know, 12-minute love. That was all right. Um, in a 45-minute show. Uh, let's go to... So one of our contributors, David, brought up uh, an idea that we're going to keep doing going forward, and that's uh, the debaters is what I've termed it. It's really original as, as far as a term is concerned, where one, two contributors from the site or one of us, one of the experts, will debate a specific side of a topic. And the first one that we did was, is Josh Bailey good or bad at hockey? Um, noted fanboy me... Not Josh fanboy. Me took the uh, not so good at hockey side. I just wanted to see what it was like from the other side of the of the, of the fence, and then David took the um, pro side, and I was surprised with the results when we put out the poll on Twitter. I really was. So yes. it was seventy one percent agreed with David, the positive.
2: What? I am very disappointed in Isle's Twitter right now because they do <laughs> when they have because they don't stick to their word. See, when you have <laughs> the flip floppy, John carries exactly when they have the ability to put in a vote where it doesn't show who you voted for. Like I don't know, for all we know, George A. Pace voted for it, it was good. You know, he could have went well, completely fair, off-brand.
1: That's what like, happens
2: when you block
1: us right although i guess we can't see his answers to us no, but- I-, I heard he's 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 tweeting at us but you don't understand how blocks work we can't see it so maybe uh, unblock us and we can answer you maybe poor
2: choice but that was just the first <laughs> eye on the the josh bailey hater that popped into my head but well the point is everyone talks a big game on twitter but if you use your brain which 71% of the population did then Things work out. It's going to be. It, you know what it is. It's the people with the agendas who are going to go out and say this. Although I'm going to like, I'd like to give my side because you had. Yep. Like, we all know that you're you're pro Josh Bailey. Although you wrote the negative side. I am a middleman in the situation. Okay. I guess I'm the independent party in this. You're you're sitting on the fence. Thing. Yeah. Because. I understand the I understand both sides of the argument, but I'm not very much on the pro side to where I'm going to say like, oh, he's fantastic, he's going to put up another 50, 56 points this year. But I'm also I don't necessarily think that you can just say oh he's bad off of you know basing it off of last year's uh, performance. So I'm in the wait and see category, right? Uh, because I just want to see what he does this year. If he drops back down to 30 points, then I'm probably leaning towards Fluke. I don't know if I would still say that he's bad, but average? Yeah. I think
1: bad is is a strong term because, let's be honest, they're all professionals, so none of these guys are bad at hockey. They're just not as good as maybe other players, right? Like John Scott was bad compared to John Tavares and a lot of players in the league. But you compare him to the— general hockey playing public and this guy could probably outskate most of us so he's not like josh bailey isn't bad he's just not as good as we expect him to be and i think that's the problem is that the word he is bad is just oh it's just sensationalizing the the side of the argument where he may not be as good as you expect him to be and that's to be fair fair yeah Mm -hmm. it's fair up up until last year Right, where he wasn't living up to expectations. 41 points was his best season. That's not a great return for a ninth overall player. I understand that the way the draft essentially is supposed to work, really, is the first round, like, yeah, the first round is you, you get a guaranteed NHL player, essentially. And from there, it just dilutes from there where you, you have a bigger risk. The further you go, the riskier it is that he actually plays in the NHL. Um, and, and Josh Bailey is that. He is an NHL caliber player. It just depends from there. You could have a first a first overall pick like Neil Yakupov, who barely makes it into the NHL uh, or stays, or he could still play NHL. He's an NHL-level player. He's just not that great. So, yeah, Edmonton got an NHL-caliber player. He just wasn't a great one. So with, with Bailey, kind of the same scenario. We got a player who's an NHL-caliber player. He's just not that great of a one until last year.
2: Yeah, I definitely think that obviously last year. You know, I'm... I try to be as unbiased as possible looking at this. I can't sit here and say based off of last year that Josh Bailey is bad. Right, absolutely. If, I think
1: that's that's done and dusted.
2: Yeah, I was going to say if anything you could maybe make the argument that he's inconsistent, but I don't know if that you can necessarily necessarily then classify that as good or bad. It kind of falls right. in the middle, which I think that's yeah. where I am.
1: And and we'll see. I think this year it'll be kind of like the Ryan Strom of last year where Ryan Strom had that really good season and a really bad season. So last year was, okay, well, which one are you? Are you the really bad player or the really good player? Turns out he was the bad player. Um, So that's why they shipped him out and they got a great return for him. I still can't believe that return Um, in Jordan Everly. Like, my God. So the same thing goes for Bailey this year, and it happens to be a contract year. If come trade deadline, he's not doing that 56 and he's not even close to it, I would expect maybe a move depending on where they are in the standings. Um because there's no way they're gonna sign him for five million if he's not producing up to forty points. If
2: he's still in a thirty point pace, I don't expect him to, to pay out. If well, well, I have a scenario for you. Yeah. If he and it's not necessarily with the Islanders, just in general here, keep that in mind. If he puts yeah. up let's say forty on the on the nose, exactly forty points this year, what okay. do you think he gets in free agency?
1: He scores forty, so we'll just assume it's like split twenty twenty kind of thing. Um, based off the market, he probably gets somewhere between four four and a half. Okay. I would say that's my that's my guess right now, without having too much information in front of me. Uh, but something along those lines. Yeah,
2: isn't that? I haven't done it. Isn't that similar to what Nick Benino got? And he got a four by four. I want to say Benino got something close to that. I think it's four point point one. Uh, okay. Aav. Yeah, but I could sit here. I could definitely say that Josh Bailey is a better player than Nick Benino.
1: Yeah, well, Nick Benino is also a center, so there's yeah, that's...
2: that to keep in mind. True, that's kind of comparing apples and oranges a little bit, but
1: maybe not apples and oranges, but different, uh, different oranges words. and clementines. There you go. Um, so comparables for Josh Bailey in terms of cap hit at time of ceiling. I'll take his cap hit off. I'll just go base off of I'm using the um, cap friendlys comparable tool okay and I'm saying games played similarity and point similarity both at ten and his closest is Andrew Shaw in Montreal at three point nine and then it drops to Yuri tolusti at two point nine five say relatively same age um Signed within the last couple of years, so Andrew Shaw just signed last season, and he's 24. He signed a six-year, three-point-nine million dollar deal. I think Bailey could get maybe close to that, if not a little bit more.
2: So, assuming he does 40, I would say. Okay, I was just curious what your thoughts were as the self-proclaimed Josh Bailey fanboy.
1: Yeah, my my fanboyness is just that I like I like him as a player. I'm not saying that he's the greatest player of all time. I just like what he does. He's an okay player. He's a great second-line player. I don't think he's a first-line player. He was last year because we had nothing. Um, I just I just like Bailey. I don't dislike him. I don't think he's a bad player. I just like him. And I, I also like taking a contrarian stance to uh, what a lot of people do. So, You're a rebel, Mitch. I am a super rebel. That's why I have all these tattoos rebelling against my parents, man. Good old suburban lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh okay, let's move on from Bailey, because I think we talked about him enough that people have maybe they've tuned out at this point going, I'm done with Bailey. Um, let's talk about the preseason and how we're essentially four games into it now, because there's a split squad game going on at the moment. We're recording this September 20th, by the way. Um, the Isles are up in Brooklyn, I believe, 2-1, and tied at 2 in Philly. So... Pretty good right now. They're also, is it 2-1 and one in their preseason game so far?
2: Yeah, so far, if we're not counting the ones going on, as we're currently recording on Wednesday night. Correct. Assuming they stay the
1: way they do. Actually, we couldn't assume that. So, anyways. Um, and what's the score? Oh, <laughs> I got money on the, the Devils, right? And it's a 3-3. Three, three. It's, it's a nail-biter for me. You're
2: going to have to sweat that one out. Oh, I'm going to sweat it out. Oh,
1: God. Uh, okay, so... I wanted to ask you what your biggest takeaway is from the preseason.
2: Uh, the biggest takeaway from the preseason—that is a good question. I have two. I'll okay. st- I'll do positive first, then negative. Positive. Right. Barzell can hang. He should absolutely mm-hmm. have a roster spot this year. I thought like this off season there are some question marks or whether he'll make it or not, depending on you know because the the forwards there are pretty. There's a decent amount of them fighting for you know the 12 spots on a regular basis. Um, but I definitely think that he should have a spot, and I think he's actually competing for the second line center position because as I now transition to the negative side, Brock Nelson is still proven to be Brock Nelson.
0: <laughs> and it's still very frustrating, and he's very kind much of po- so he's
2: playing his way out of the second line center. He's basically handed that position on a silver platter because Garth Snow said, hey, I cannot find it in my being to tr- to trade for Matt Duchesne because Joe Sakic's crazy. So, Brock, you seem like the best possible guy on our roster to fill that role. Position yours, and he's basically just went right down the tubes as per usual with him. I'm done. Yeah. Basically, the, as with the negative, I'm ready to shoot Brock Nelson to the moon. I can't deal with him anymore. I really can't. That whole series in overtime from not shooting to then following it up with getting absolutely he, he <laughs> looked dressed. like a traffic cone out there on the ice <laughs> he was in orange oh it did not look good
1: for an NHL vet PS Andrew Ladd just scored hopefully that's yeah. breaking the camel's back um, although we'll, we'll see are not breaking the camel's back but opening the floodgates on him scoring and we don't have to worry about him not scoring for three months. <laughs> um, on the Brock Nelson thing, you you think he... Um, he was weighed down by his disallowed goal at the beginning of the game, which doesn't add him any more... Like, doesn't give him any, any more... What's the word I want to use? Doesn't paint him in any uh, more positive a, a, a light, if that's the case, but do you think that may have done something? The fact that he wasn't able to... He didn't get the goal that he wanted, and that just kind of brought him down the rest of
2: the game. Um, I definitely think so. I think definitely think that's a factor, and I think that's a terrible way to be. If he- that's not the right mental attitude to have if you're gonna be a competitive athlete. You can't shut down like that if that's the case. That's what makes mm. him so frustrating. Yeah, exactly.
1: I, I kind of feel the same way, like a lot a lot of people brought up the fact, well, he did score a goal. You're going, well, he didn't didn't, but you're right, he did get a shot off net and it did go in. Um it was only called back because Scott Mayfield cross-checked someone at the other end of the ice, completely unattached to play. Um so good good job, refs, on that one. Uh, but if that's the case, man, like you you had it. You had you had the goal, you had the ability to get it in. Keep doing that. Why would you stop doing that? And I, I like he just did not look good afterwards. Like it just kind of from there just shut down. And you're going, buddy, it's preseason. The games don't necessarily matter. I know that, but you can't get undressed by a rookie that way. You just can't. It just does not look good. I-, I hope he's catching pelters from the rest of the team in the locker room for that one. That whenever like someone tries, you know, maybe they're both going towards the door and someone just kind does a, a Denny Savard on him to get out of the way. I hope that happens all year long with Brock.
2: Yeah, cause that that display was terrible I, I i have no other words for it i i knew, you know how uh, you know i'm back i was uh, i was at my little computer station giffing away as always <laughs> and then brock nelson was on my tv and i was screaming at my tv that's how oh, you know th- i'm officially back i yelled
1: sh- so loud i think it woke up my wife i couldn't i couldn't believe it he had a wide open look and in overtime just get it on net And you're the last guy back. You got two guys ahead of you that can go and pick it up should you miss the net. Which you probably shouldn't from where he was. He's, you know, a little far out, just behind the face off circles. But come on, buddy, just do something. You had an open look and then it goes the other way and sure enough he does something terrible and looks awful and they score.
2: And it's not like he has a it's not like he has a bad wrist shot either. Like, hey, that's your strength. That's his thing come on buddy ah that'd be like um, an like if matt martin was on the ice and had a completely open look at a hit to crush someone in the boards and is like <laughs> ah no i'm gonna actually play the puck for a change <laughs> yeah exactly
1: i'm gonna try to deke around these guys he tries to pull the spinorama
2: yeah uh, no sense i don't get it
1: no sense at all uh, my takeaways I like the Barzal one. Uh, I'm I'm still not sure. I haven't seen these two games, but that are playing right now. But he did look great in that one game he played. Mine is the penalties and how everyone. I'm gonna have something go up on the site just just after we're done this, hopefully. And. Um... I, I know that the refs are calling a lot, and we should we we were used to, we, we should have been ready for this because George Paros essentially, not essentially, he literally came out and said, they're going to be calling these penalties on stick infractions and face-off infractions. This is something we're going to do. And what better time than in the preseason to call these rather than the regular season? Right, makes right. sense. Call them now, get used to them now, get the players used to it, and get that stamped out before the regular season starts before these penalties actually start meaning something. Um, so I, I don't necessarily like the complaints that this is ruining the game. I really don't think it is. I think this is just a good thing. We saw it ourselves as as Islanders fans at the last year when Tavares got wax and wax and wax against the hand. I think it was against Anaheim where he caught a few at the beginning of the year, and it just seemed like he couldn't recover for at least a couple of weeks afterwards.
2: Yeah. Um, so if if Tavares is going to start getting calls, then I'm for this. Um... You so do you think let me ask you this then. Do you think the players are now going to adjust or do you think for the first couple weeks of the season we're still going to see a million slashing calls? No, I think players are going to adjust.
1: We we've seen it already just in, in that so the game I'm referencing is the one against the Rangers where they had it was 18 penalties called between the two teams in one game. It's absurd. Uh, I think there was 9 in the second period alone and 6 of those were slashing penalties uh, from both sides but still um, and we saw that stop in the third period where there was one slashing call. Uh, we've also seen so Brad Marchand came out and said something about how the calls on the on the faceoffs are ridiculous and it's ruining the game. We saw in that same that same article, um, I forget what Bruin it was. It was another Bruin who essentially said, "Well, I just stood there. I I I couldn't. I didn't want to do anything. I didn't want to get a penalty, so I just stood there like a statue." Well, you know what? Lesson learned. You guys figured it out that you shouldn't be doing this thing that you were doing beforehand. And you adapted. So the players are going to adapt. This is going to happen. Um, it's September 20th. The season doesn't start till the beginning of October. There's still time for them to figure this out. They're professionals. They know what they're doing. They know what they were doing before was not according to the law of the game. They can change this, and they will change it.
2: Yeah, I think you pretty much you hit the nail on the head there. Um, I agree with you. I think that the players are going to have to adjust because um, if they don't, then – the game is going to be rather boring with those so many penalties called. Yeah, exactly. Um, how did you feel about
1: Tavares Eberle in that first, in that, in that Coliseum game?
2: Uh, I liked what I saw. I think that there's potential there. Uh, I think that he, Eberle being the he, that he is the perfect fit to play on the Tavares wing. I like that, you know, because Tavares is a lefty, so he's probably going to feed the right wing. A little bit more often, mm-hmm. um, I think that they should put up big numbers, uh, especially with with Lee. Um, I know, I think on a previous episode you spoke about you were unsure about having both Lee and Eberly on the same line because you think that they play a similar role in sense of being down low. Uh,
1: it wasn't that I thought that they played that way; is that there were comments from the team that um, <clears throat> I think it was even Tavares said that. Uh, is a good net front presence guy. Okay. And I was going like, well, that's that's Lee's role. I don't want anyone else but Lee doing that role. Right. If any if going to do anything, it's that winger that's creating space along the uh, along the wing, just like Bailey was doing. And if you brought another guy like Lee to do what Lee did perfectly well last year, I think there's a problem.
2: Yeah. So that that's fair, but overall my my thoughts here is that Um, I don't expect the two to be separated. I don't think it's going to be like a a revolving door like Cal Clutterbuck won't be spending any time on the top line.
1: Um, That was great for my fantasy. I was able to draft him right away. It was
2: fantastic. He put up some good points for me. Yeah. But uh, no, just to reiterate, uh, pretty confident in in the two as a pair. Good. I
1: feel the same way. There's that that one play along the boards where Tavares just kind of Played it between his legs, no look into the slot, and sure enough, tape to tape to Eberle, who was right there and got a good chance on net. Um, he didn't score. It was, it was just, it was a perfect play with two guys who understand exactly what game or what what the other one is about to do. And it was game number one. It was just, oh, he missed, but still, maybe not miss. He didn't score, but the fact that he was he being Tavares was able to get that shot that that chance off or chance to Eberle was just to me going, oh, this is perfect. This is the sign of things to come, that they're already, let's say, speaking each other's language
2: on right. the ice. And I don't know it. if I necessarily want to throw the word chemistry out there yet, because they haven't been together all that long. I know a lot of people like to reference that uh, 2009 tournament, right? 2009, mm-hmm. I think I have the year correct. Um, That's right. But there definitely, there was something there. There was something there. I don't know if I'm going to necessarily say chemistry, but... They they're both smart hockey players. They have a high hockey IQ so they know what they're doing and they fed off each other. Yeah. I'm just excited. I'm excited to see it actually happen in games that
1: matter because it seems that there's something there. I'm I'm just really excited. Do you have anything else you want to go over on uh the preseason? I think we kinda got all the big like hyped storylines out of the way and we can get to our little our, our social segment.
2: Sure. We do have a few things to talk about in our social segment. First off, today, the 20th, is our captain's birthday. It is John Tavares' birthday. Happy birthday. Yes. Yeah, so I did have a question for you. For me? Yeah. Okay. If, if you knew John Tavares, what which would you I do, get, we know everyone do? here. We're, in we're best friends with all the players. What would yeah. you get John Tavares for his birthday?
1: Oh, man. What do you get the guy who has everything except for a contract extension, I suppose? um what would i get him for his birthday probably a social media person because i I think that's the one thing that it's lacking is just he's got no social media presence and i don't want him out there ripping people like the vegas the vegas golden knights twitter but i'd love to just have someone there using the the john Tavares twitter outside of just like advertisements for sunblock
2: (laughs) true That's,
1: that's my one thing
2: okay i like that i respect that um i saw the jokes on twitter i don't want to say a winger because that's overplayed and hey he has that already thank you he's got
1: he's got two yeah Yeah,
2: like come on guys uh a pen to sign the contract i'm sorry that that's just (laughs) overused that's a good one yeah i saw that one i liked it i was thinking a personality but that's a little too mean i think no no, that's fair. He, like, let's
1: listen. he doesn't have one, and that, that's fine. Like I was listening to um, Secondary Assist, and he was saying that he, being any Graziano, says he doesn't even go to Tavares in the room first. He'll, he'll go to someone else, rather, because he knows what Tavares is going to say. We all know what he's going to say. We all know it's not going to be anything of interest, so why even go there? Maybe if he had a personality, it would be something of interest, and we have other sound bites out there, but okay. alas, we do not.
2: In all seriousness, I would get him... A sponsor- a sponsorship with Bauer, so he stops breaking all those CCM sticks. <laughs> I
1: know. What's the problem with these CCM? Why doesn't he change? I don't understand. What the- does he just like the weight? The I don't act, know. Or the flex? He, on it? he, he must be it.
2: using like I don't know, something like a forty flex or something like that, because those things break <laughs> like all the time. He's got to be using like a, a youth league stick, because maybe. Do you remember
1: that one year that uh, that Subban changed his stick and he just couldn't do anything? He, like he he broke them left, right, and center. Mm-hmm. It feels like Tavares needs to do the opposite, where he's already breaking them left, right, and center. Just switch them up, buddy. Switch them up. Yeah,
2: I don't know. So that that would be my gift. I'm I'm a Bauer guy, so I'll say a Bauer 87 flex.
1: Wow, 87 flex. That's pretty good. I'm just whatever. I don't care. I just use whatever twig I get my hands on. The cheapest one at Canadian Tire is the one I buy. Okay,
2: you see, I know I know a few, few things or, or two about sticks because I used to work at a sporting goods store that sold hockey equipment. Ah, there so we a go. Peek behind the curtain there. So okay, so
1: what's what's the deal with the thir- an eighty-seven flex? Is just you love Sidney Crosby so much, or
2: no? That's just the numbers. It's like a hundred is like barely you can barely get any flex on it. That's like as high. I skipped like 87. It gets. Yeah. And then like 67, or and then like in the 70s is like intermediate. And then like 40 is like, that's like a youth league stick. Like a little guy would use that.
1: There's see, look, our, our tagline last week was you learn something every time. And guess what? We learned something today. Thank you, Matt. You're welcome.
2: There you go. So if John Tavares, we know you're listening, maybe uh, boost up your uh, flex, your, your on your flex stick. capacity. <laughs>
1: Please. <laughs> uh okay second thing that we had on not we had but that was going around on aisle social media today was joshua's hang i guess has his own alcoholic beverage somewhere
2: at the offside tavern yes i could pull it up right now because they followed me after i said that i would take 27 of them (laughs) why 27 of them i i don't know that was this oddly specific number but that's that's (laughs) That's that's very specific I don't think my body could take twenty-seven of those anyway. But they—they uh, so
1: they didn't say what's in it, did they?
2: No. It, oh, but they on, said the tweet says new cocktail, Josh Ho Tang. So it's not. It insane. looks refreshing. It does. It looks. There's a lemon. It looks like there's a lime in there, and the color of the drink is like a yellow with some sort of carbonation going on in there. It looks. Yeah.
1: Like, I don't know. Probably like a, a a fancier version of a lemonade. An al- an adult lemonade with carbonation, probably some club soda or something. It got me thinking, if you can make a cocktail for a player, what would it be? And what what player and what would that cocktail be? Okay. I got one. I got one uh, you can I'll okay. vamp on mine and you can think of one. So I have one for Jonathan or not Jonathan, John Tavares. So we all know he's got a bland personality. He doesn't say much. When he does say something, it's of no interest whatsoever. But he's a top, top quality NHL player. right? One of the top tens, I would say, maybe, depending on the person, top 15 at the very least. Um, So mine, my drink for him is just straight Grey Goose vodka. So top-of-the-line vodka and just plain Jane, just straight vodka.
2: Okay, so just a vodka shot?
1: Just a vodka shot. I think that fits him perfectly. It's top top quality, but just as plain as it can be. You know, the, the most basic thing possible. Just give me straight vodka, please. Oh, All right. Thanks.
2: I have a couple, actually, okay. in mine. Nice. Jason Chimera. Okay. Old, grizzled vet. I see LeBath just like... 50. I wasn't going to go there. I was going to go a shot of Jack Daniels. Just like rugged, yeah. kind <laughs> of, you know, a whiskey. I like it. It's very American, and even though he's from Edmonton, he's... but that's fine. And then for... This one might surprise you, but okay. I have to go into a little description and backstory of why. Do it. Cal Clutterbuck. You ever see him oh, off the ice okay. when he wears like the glasses? Yeah. Picture him as like a wine guy, like maybe a nice Merlot. You think? Is that not hipster enough? Oh, so you're thinking maybe like a... Some like I, I don't know,
1: know some weird like brew? some German ice wine or something like that. Yeah, maybe a, a fancy brew. I had something different from for, for Cal. Okay, that's why I kind of odd at the beginning. But I, I like it. I like that he's a he's tasting his wine and sniffing the, the the bouquet and and finding the subtle hints of I don't know what. I'm not a wine guy. Me neither. I, I drink like the, the if I go to a place that serves just wine, I'll give me your house wine. Red or white, I don't care. Whatever is closest, just give it to me. I don't. I don't. It doesn't matter to me. I'm a beer guy. Um, but for Cal Clutterbuck, I had. So, what kind of player is Cal Clutterbuck? He's small, but he hits hard. So I thought just a small a one ounce shot of half Fireball and half Jagermeister. Love it. It's Love it. gonna be disgusting, but it's gonna hit the back of your throat like a ton of bricks.
2: That that might be the best analogy of them all. I think. I like that one for Cal better than mine.
1: I don't. I think we we we, it's a nice compromise. He's got this this hard personality on the ice, but it's very soft off the ice.
2: Yeah, so maybe he could be both.
1: Yeah, exactly. The duality of Cal Clutterbuck. The duality of the double C.
2: I love it. Perfect, personally. Yeah.
1: Uh, I don't have anyone else for for the team. I was trying to think of something for Anthony Beauvillier, like just small and French. Um, but I couldn't think of like a French alcohol outside of just like he's, a French Canadian beer.
2: No, he's not so even okay. he's not even twenty one, so we got to get him like a uh, Virgin oh, s- buddy, strawberry buddy, daiquiri or whatever.
1: In Quebec, drinking age is eighteen. My friend, he's been drinking for a little while now.
2: Okay, I am so, I'm bringing the state's perspective here <laughs> to the podcast, so he's got to wait another two years. As yeah, long he, as he's, he's, he's driving
1: up north, so he can get his, his Labatt in
2: or his okay. Molson
1: or whatever you guys think we drink up here.
2: I thought it was like only Lebat, if we're being honest.
1: Oh, there's all kinds of stuff, but Labatt's the big one. Yeah, Labatt Molson. It's the same. It's all owned by the same company, anyways. It's all one big thing, just like Anheuser Bush. It's all one big thing over here, anyways. Yeah. Um. Do you have anything else to go over? I think we've 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 done everything we wanted to to do this week on the episode. We we did the, the return of NASA. How f- fantastic that was. Uh, we did the Josh Bailey debate and then we talked about the preseason and then we went on a little social social discussion.
2: Yeah, I thought it was good. Um, it feels good to be actually talking about like some games now. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very Amen. excited to continue that in the episodes to come. And uh, yeah, another good show in the books. Oh, good one. All right, buddy. Well, if there's nothing else, I've got nothing else. Make sure
1: to go to the site to read all of your updated information on New York Islanders, so that's eyesonisles.com. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at eyesonislesfs. Go to Facebook, which is facebook.com slash eyesonisles. And make sure to la- listen, rate, and review the show on iTunes.
2: And download our new app, the Eyes on Isles app.
1: Ah, uh, yes, we have an app. So it's available on both iTunes, or sorry, not iTunes. I always call it iTunes. On the App Store, because you used to get your apps on iTunes from the app store and you can get it on iOS or Android devices whatever they use for Android Google Play I want to say is that it I I don't I haven't had a Google an Android device in so long
2: yeah I'm not sure but definitely download read react interact Mitch that's it I'll see you next week see you next week buddy